to Adding Up the Podcast. I'm your host, Serena Ryan. I'm dedicated to sharing my journey as I become debt free to inspire and educate. Through my life experience, I believe we are only limited by what we know. Those who are giving us advice, financial advisors and accountants, that they can only do their job to the best of their ability if we are asking better and more informed questions. My hope is, as I share my life experience, my failures, my successes, but always my learnings, that will inspire and potentially educate you to ask better questions of those who are giving you advice and also inspire you to take better action and accountability with your money. After all, it is your life that you are the master of and the better you are informed gives you better opportunities to achieve what you really want in your life. In this episode of Adding Up, I am getting back into my routine. I have been on the road for most of September. We're now at, well, three days left of September, and I have been on the road since the 4th of September. In Australia, America and Canada. Several episodes of this podcast have been on the road and today as this episode goes live I'm getting a curveball of my boys being on school holidays for the next two weeks and interestingly enough this week as I was getting ready to come home I was going, wow, I'm getting back into routine, getting home. Then the reality hit me. I'm back home for one whole day and then there are school holidays. Now, for those of you who don't already know, yes, I run my own business. I have been doing so for the last five years. I'm also a mum to two boys who are now hmm, five and seven. And my challenge is, I think it's a great one to have because my challenge is also my opportunity. I started my business so that I could enable myself to have the flexibility to have time with them. And that is the opportunity. The challenge is that I need to set the boundaries around the work so that I have the time with them and do it in such a way that I'm still working enough to have an income to enable myself to have the time with them. So the challenge is equally the opportunity. When it comes to money and budgeting, yes, I've got to have enough time working to earn the income, but then it's about earning enough money so that I can have the freedom to do as I want to and interestingly enough once I've made the commitment to get out of debt for me that also means that I could easily want to be absorbed in earning more and more money but that 
tips the balance in favor of earning money because I want to earn money and takes away from the fact and the reason why I run my own business is so that I have the flexibility to be with my family as well. So as you can see, the two are intertwined. Wanting to earn enough money and keep a business running and sustainable and having enough time and flexibility to be with my family. As many people I encounter who say to me as well, who have older children, say in their teens or 20s or older, your children are only young once and time goes by so fleetingly that if you don't spend time with them while you can, you'll miss these opportunities to build relationships with them. So I intentionally cap the amount of people I work with and I also batch my work. And what I mean by that is the month of September I know is a busy opportunity for me to either attend conferences or speak at conferences or do both. So I allow myself time on the road in September because that also coincides with the boys being in school. And it's knowing that if I can have concentrated time in doing it, and that enables me to have a lot more freedom when it comes to school holidays. And capping the amount of people I'm working with also means that I'm enabled to not be so consumed with my work that I am well, working literally around the clock. The other thing I do is I set myself up with shift work and that happens year round regardless, but particularly when it gets to school holidays, that I'm very conscious of it. And shift work for me means I get up at 4.30 in the morning and work 4.30 to 6.30 or centred up about quarter past four. And then I will clock off when the boys wake up and then essentially when they're not uh, you know otherwise occupied these when it's actually school is in I work 4 30 to 6 30 and then when they wake up at 6 30 or so 6 30 to 9 30 I'm focused on being with them and then once they're at school and I've returned and I'm back at home in my home office, then I'll work 9.30 to 2.30. I definitely try to get in enough time working early in the hours of the day before they wake up and that may mean being flexible around working four to say seven and then if I can get a good solid three hours in then that can give me enough to get through school holidays and then spend the days with them. I'm conscious that I want them to see that yes I am working but when they're around I'm present and with them. And this is my active choice. And if I'm working on average three hours a day and say split that over six days a week, 
that's enough for me to maintain looking after existing clients. As far as they're concerned, when school holidays are on, I'm not working. All of these things are important to me. And when I talk about my routine, my routine, well, the routine I set it as what happens week to week and where my personal budget comes in. So I realized this episode I'm focusing initially quite heavily on how I structure my work hours. And that's great as someone who runs a business, but you might be going, well, I don't run a business. How is this episode applicable to me? See, the whole planning of my work hours, this comes down to the priorities that I set for me. So regardless of whether I work for myself or not, it's about me evaluating the hours that I have, the work that needs to be done, and then the budget that connects with that accordingly. So when I'm working at home and the normal routine when school is in, I'm having my lunch at home. I'm typically baking the snacks that the kids are eating and that keeps my costs well within budget so I can feed a family of four on $100 a week and I've previously mentioned that in a couple of episodes, the power of doing that and how important that is and how a wonderful side effect is of when I'm baking, it also means I know what ingredients are going into what I'm cooking. Now, don't tell my kids this, but I have one of my kids is particularly fussy and I can get a lot more vegetables into the cooking when I'm doing the baking rather than relying on things that are prepackaged. And that's a great side benefit. Ends up being healthier. That's great. And then I'm thinking about when I'm planning out my weeks and planning out my food, it also means I'm planning out the money that I'm spending and I'm staying within budget. And the power of that is I'm either saving money or I'm using that money for debt reduction. And essentially I'm doing both. I have an active choice because I'm having control over the money that I'm spending or not or saving. This sets me up for success. And the power of this is instead of going, I have to have a set routine. And when the routine breaks and changes, then everything else breaks and potentially I have a spending blowout. If I'm consistent in allowing time each week, usually on a Sunday, but depending on the week, it could be a Saturday, and I'm planning out that week, that enables me to be better with my money management. And if I'm not stuck in a rut of going, this has to be the routine every week and you know, being put off when the routine changes, it means that I'm just, I'm in a better position to look after money, look after the family and become debt free. So rather than thinking that I have a set routine every day or every week that I have to adhere to and I get upset if I'm out of routine, really the only thing set in my routine is I have allocated time every week to plan the new routine of the week coming. And when I can plan for that, 
then I'm setting myself up for success. The exciting thing is we've got school holidays coming up, which is fantastic. So now I'm allowing for more outings and time out with the boys and adventures. Adventures are fantastic. Planning those adventures and planning the money I'm spending with them and typically means I'm doing less cooking in those weeks. So I also have money I save each week during the time that school is in to allow for extra money to be available for when school is out. So then we've got the opportunity to do things like adventures into the city, catching ferries to explore, and trains. Lots of trains. You know, I never really appreciated the wonder of something different. Doesn't have to be expensive, but something different for the kids to do that becomes an exploration of what they wouldn't have in their normal routine. And the cool thing for me is that when I look at things as an adventure, it's amazing how cost and time effective adventures can be. When you call something an adventure, do you suddenly feel like Indiana Jones going out to explore the world? Looking at life through that lens rather than feeling like I have to take the kids to an adventure park or a zoo, which could potentially cost $100 before we even spend a cent on food, means that a train ride, public transportation, can suddenly unlock all these adventures that are quite cost-effective. And going to parks, public parks, can be enough for us to have a lot of wonder in our day. And a ferry, oh my goodness, how cool is it to feel like we're pirates out sailing the sea on a ferry? Imagination plus public transportation plus packing your lunch can really make cost-effective holidays. And when we do this, it's not about going, oh, wow, that's the cheap thing we get to do because we're saving money. No. It is making the most of what we have and knowing that everyone feels better. I feel better financially, but also because I'm present in the moment with my kids. That is priceless. This is something I really would love to challenge you on in this episode, is what constitutes having fun and potentially success. It can be easy to fall into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses. I can say this because that has been me. I'd be afraid to offend anybody. And I'd feel sensitive about not being someone who has money. I'd be embarrassed. And this was a trap I fell into in having a credit card and not paying attention to the money I was spending. And when someone asked me to go somewhere, maybe go out on a Friday night and have a couple of drinks or maybe go to the movies, I didn't necessarily have the money but I didn't want to say no because I wanted to socialize. 
it would mean that I'd use my credit card. I treated my credit card as my own money. And why this is dangerous is because technically it's not your own money. It is money plus interest. It's a loan. And that loan incurs interest. And now, because I view it as a loan, money that I don't have, me spending that money does not put me in a healthy position. It's quite the opposite. It's an unhealthy position to be in, which is why I'm now at a point where the last, well, 12 months, coming up to 12 months since October last year, I've been consistently paying off credit card debt. I've got rid of two credit cards. Both were maxed out, a total of $7,000 in debt that have now been paid off. And I'm paying off the final credit card, which has a limit of $5,000, which was maxed out. And on track at the moment to have it paid off by June next year, but hopefully sooner. The discipline of being creative with the money that I have, rather than the pressure of earning more and more money, is quite liberating. Because I can always look to the balance of it's okay to pay off debt consistently with a regular small amount rather than feeling like I have to pay it off as quickly as possible and have the pressure to earn even more money. The reason I bring that up is there's nothing more grounding than when your son says to you, Mum, don't you like spending time with us? When my son said that to me, it gave me a reality hit. When you're working, you're dedicating yourself to your work and earning money. And the reason we want to earn money, ideally, is because we want it to be able to buy the things we want to have. Now, me earning money, ideally starting my own business, it was all about me having the freedom to have time with my family. So essentially earning money to give me the freedom to have the time with my family, with my boys especially. I was not having enough time with them, with my boys. Flipping that on its head and realising through doing an audit of how much money I needed to earn and how much time I was willing to have away from them, it made me realise that I don't need to have copious amounts of money to be happy. Earning enough money to pay down my debt is ideal and to pay myself a wage. Both of those things I'm able to achieve with what I'm earning at the moment and knowing how much time I've got to be able to work flexibly. It's having the capacity to see and the foresight to see how much money you want to earn to have what you want rather than working and working and working to earn more and more and more. Because if you don't set a limit and a boundary around it, you can easily put yourself in a situation of missing out. And what for me missing out means is missing out on seeing my boys grow up. When I could see the way in which to put the boundaries in place for me to have time with my boys and earn money 
and use my skill set in the best way I possibly can. It put me in a situation of going, yes, this is my ideal life. And if anything now, because I love what I have, yet I know I have capacity to earn more still within those limits, my challenge is to push myself out of my comfort zone to earn more than I am and to not work too much at the same time. Because I have a capacity to work more at the moment. But I am super mindful that I don't step over the boundary I've put in place. So I have plenty of time with my family. Because where I'm at now is a beautiful place to be. Knowing that my family come first, I have a level of flexibility and freedom, which I don't want to sacrifice. And it is important to see that when I set up my business and to be reminded of it, that I have the intention to have time with my family, earn money and pay down debt and continue to have that freedom. So I don't need thousands of clients, not in a way that would be detrimental to my family. And it's important to know where your boundaries are. I challenge you, regardless of whether you run your own business or you work for someone else, to understand where your boundaries are. My husband, when he negotiated to work where he does now, and he does work in the corporate world, he put in place a boundary. He requested as a condition to work where he now works that he doesn't work on a Friday. Now, for him, that means that it's great for me too. Fridays, he's able to take the kids to school and have quality time with them means that I can focus on my business and we're in a great situation where we're able to parent our kids together. And in this day and age with technology and also uh, there are some things you can research. In Australia, we have got some guidelines where you can actually allow for being able to apply to get flexible work arrangements if it's going to help your family unit be better. There are guidelines released by the government here in Australia that mean that you can apply to your workplace to get flexible work arrangements. And that is initially what my husband did. And he was able to put a letter to his employer to be able to get flexible work arrangements to work full-time hours, but work Monday to Thursday. And I put it to you, Rather than put up with the status quo where you are, and you know potentially in your circumstances, you're the only one who'll know this, not me, how much money you need to earn to have the life you want. Once you do that and you know what it is you need to earn, look for ways to be flexible with it. Look at your workplace and see what enterprise agreement may be in place that can enable you to be flexible. The power of being able to do that can enable you to have a life better than you thought possible. In our case, looking at flexible work arrangements for parents was beneficial. He still works full time, but he does it full 
four days instead of five days a week. Knowing what you have to work with is powerful. And I know that there are different programs available beyond that as well. Where I've worked previously, and I also worked in a corporate um, job in the financial services sector a few years ago now, but at that particular place, there was also something called the 4852. And it meant that you could sacrifice four weeks pay a year, but have your pay stretched over the 52 weeks of the year. This meant that for only minimal amount, slight reduction in pay each fortnight, I was enabled to be able to have eight weeks annual leave a year. Now, having eight weeks annual leave instead of four on the 4852 program, that put me in good stead. That that particular year, I was 27 at the time, going back a couple of years now, I became a snowboard instructor. Part-time, I was able to work the school holidays in the snow season here in Australia and be a snowboard instructor. In amongst all my achievements, I can also say I can teach snowboarding. And in that particular year, I became a snowboard instructor. They had a shortage of ski instructors. So they taught me how to ski and I became a ski instructor as well. It was an incredible year and opportunity for me to pursue my goals. And financially, it was a small impact. I say was a reduction in pay of around $27 a week, I think. It wasn't necessarily on the big bucks at the time, but that's, again, irrelevant. And it is relative to the pay that you were earning. I've since found out that a number of other institutions also had the 4852 in play as well that can be applied for. So it's worth seeing what employee benefits you have available and potentially enable you to have a better quality of life as well. Every single episode of this podcast, Adding Up, I ask if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask of me or of guest experts. And I have had a lovely listener, uh, Peter, suggest he would like to hear from a mortgage broker around the benefits of why you'd speak to one and how that can help you with getting your home loan. I've actually got two guest experts who I will be interviewing in coming weeks about mortgages. And mortgages for me is something close to my heart because I got my first mortgage at the age of 20 and my second at the age of 27 Sold both of them off by the time I was 33 at a loss. Yet now I have another mortgage. Lots of learnings on my part. But it'd be great to also hear from uh, our two guests. And also, I'd like them to answer a lot of my questions I have and talk about my experiences. Bit messy, bit sticky, but lots of learning along the way. And I think potentially informative, especially if you are someone who hasn't got a mortgage yet, or maybe you do, and you might think, well, I'm kind of stuck. I can talk about what I've learned about them and the power of being clear about why you have a mortgage and how you can make the most of what you've got. If you do have a question of a guest expert, 
if you're wanting to ask some questions of a mortgage broker, don't hesitate to click on the link in the podcast show notes and ask your questions. I will be doing the interviews the next couple of weeks. So get your questions in and I am excited. You could be featured on the podcast at answering your questions, get your questions answered. Know that adding up doesn't have to be big, hairy or scary. Sometimes it's the smallest of things that can make the biggest of differences.